So do you know what it means? Yeet. What? I guess it's like throwing something in a trash can. What? Yeah, I think. Did I could be wrong. Up on Urban Dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> or used in a less wholesome context as so, as one jack ejaculates. Oh. So. Okay. Okay, ladies. <laughs> yeah. When when your your guy goes to the jack off room when he's like going in the cup, he could be like yeep, yeep. <laughs> Uh, could you imagine uh, hearing that from outside, like in the waiting room? Yeah, just hear so someone yelling, yeah, 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 yeah. I did it. I got uh. it in. <laughs> Welcome to the Infernal Mafia. That's Kayla. And that is Sarah. Today, we're talking about ovaries misbehaving, a.k.a. PCOS. Even though it's October, we're still talking about PCOS. I mean, if you have PCOS, every month is PCOS Awareness Month for you. We missed PCOS Awareness Month. It was September. You're aware. Yeah, you're aware that you have PCOS every month. We're going to hear from our consigliere today call the consigliere will be um what is her diet melissa groves melissa groves who's a registered dietitian dietitian. yes i just wanted to make sure i got the title right she changed her name on instagram didn't she she did what is it it's at the hormone dietitian with periods in between (laughs) stupid periods the period hormone period dietitian She's a good resource. She's a nutritionist who specializes in fertility and especially women with PCOS. So I think she's going to give us some food tips um, about women with PCOS, like maybe things to avoid or things to not avoid. That's what's happening today. Um, Yeah, let's do the business. business uh rate and review the podcast please please if you have it like a good review would be nice (laughs) (laughs) we have a new a new release day if you didn't notice wednesdays now hump day it it felt right hump day yeah uh that's funny uh you can join our website or the facebook group the infertile mafia soon We'll probably be opening up the Mafia meeting room on our website so you can discuss things there. Chat amongst yourselves. Yes. And we do have special merch. And Sarah talked about her inspiration in our last episode. And it's kind of all for um, uh, Infant and Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month, which is this month, October. So she made some special exclusive merchandise. Our mafia mail today comes from our friend Karen. You guys know her as Hilariously Infertile. And I thought it was fitting with the theme because she has PCOS. (laughs) She sent us an email 
letting us know that she has another stand-up show happening on November 10th in Boston at the Regent Theater. So if you're in the greater Boston metro area, maybe you could go see Karen. Boston. Boston. I don't think I said that right. (laughs) It should be a wicked good time. (laughs) I'm not even going to try to do If you can find a place to park your car. Your car. (laughs) Yeah. And the proceeds for the tickets are going to the Baby Quest Foundation and the um, the New England chapter of the, of Resolve. So, um, and I think the tickets are on her website, which is hilariouslyinfertile.com, or maybe you have to get them through the venue. I'm not ac- actually 100% sure on that. But yeah, she she's the popular Instagrammer. I'm sure you, you've probably heard of her, at hilariouslyinfertile. She also wrote a book that we've talked about. We interviewed her, she read pieces from the book so i'm sure most of you see her do the stand-up she has some clips on her instagram i think or and her website because she did a show in new york which is where she's from new york she did it back in june i want to say yeah so this is her second run with stand-up stand-up about infertility i mean this is a bold choice so See, Way to w- go, Karen. I'm proud I think of that'd be fun. Yeah, I think it'd be super fun. If I lived in Boston, I would definitely go. No, I mean like doing the stand-up. Do you think oh, that sure. we could do stand-up? <laughs> I mean, we our live show was sort of a version of that. <laughs> yeah, we got some laughs. We got a few laughs. It there was people there totally... staring at us. But anyway, go check out Karen. I'm anxious for you to tell me about your the news article that you selected for this episode oh. because I didn't actually read it, but I know it was making all kinds of waves when it came out, especially with doctors who know what they're talking about when it comes to weight and PCOS and how it affects fertility. You haven't read this article? No. Okay, <laughs> so. so this is a New York Times article and it is when you're too told you're too fat to get pregnant does it make sense medically or ethically when fertility clinics refuse to treat prospective mothers they consider too large Mm. so that's what the article's about and it's kind of um it's talking about a couple different people and their stories about how they were told they were too fat to be treated at a fertility clinic, basically. So well, the what's f- the main f- slant of the article? Like oh, what? it's definitely slanted towards saying it's unethical, I would say. Right? Oh, you haven't read it. I didn't read it, yeah. So um, they're saying you, um, they're saying it's unethical for clinics to treat women. To not treat women. To not treat women. Yes. What about a clinical, um, you know, like we find that success rates are extremely low with a BMI over blah, blah, blah. Do they give okay. any like actual facts or studies about this uh, sort of thing? Yeah. The first person was weighed 317 pounds and had been trying for three years. And then they went to a fertility clinic and they said to lose weight. 
Because usually they won't treat people with BMIs over 40. Okay. I don't know. Sometimes it could be lower. could be a bit higher. I don't know. And so this article was saying that that's unethical for doctors to say we're not going to treat you. They're saying that it's cold. The person in the article said the reproductive endocrinologist was cold and unsmiling as she reviewed the couple's medical history. So it's almost like they're painting the doctors as like assholes. Uh huh. Oh no. I feel it, like you. I feel like I know where you come down on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, people were like mad because it was pointing out that doctors refused to treat people who were over a certain weight, but it didn't say why. And then people in the article are saying that it's not their weight that's the problem but the doctors are only seeing that it's the weight sure and they won't treat the other issues they have uh i mean that's certainly we've even heard from people that have like emailed us and told us that that sort of thing has happened to them and yeah and then like People are like, I know other people who are like way overweight without any pregnancy problems, so I should be fine. Like, that's what the... Their logic. The quote is, like, yeah. I I know plenty of larger women who have been pregnant without any problems, and it didn't make any sense that they would be telling me they won't treat me because of my weight. And they're like, Well, I mean, these people are like... I think, okay, from what I heard from the doctors and um, their reasoning behind not treating larger people. So this is like um, REs who were responding to this article, right? Yeah, it sounded like they wouldn't treat people because they don't have the resources, I guess, to do the egg retrieval on them with the general or it's they do twilight anesthesia usually in their clinic like most fertility doctors don't have you do an egg retrieval in a hospital which uh they said that it's dangerous to do the anesthesia on someone with the bmi over a certain number because you know it could kill them Hmm. and that's why they don't want to treat them or they don't want to do IVF yeah that's one reason that's one reason plus I mean it would bring their statistics down because it's the statistics for fertility clinics are based on live births and like statistically if you have if you're like obese or bigger bigger than obese like morbidly obese then uh the statistics aren't like don't look good for live births they're not in your favor no um yeah so but it seems like the rate of embryos and things like that are pretty much the same I would. I personally lost weight before doing IVF a second time because and I wanted better to give results. myself. Yeah, I wanted to give myself the best chances possible. Right. But I don't know if I understand the doctor's point of view. 
and I sympathize with the patient because I am overweight now. <laughs> like right. I sympathize with like it feeling bad to be told you need to lose weight. Or to be told that you can't have a treat. It feels like a, it feels discriminatory, even if they have quote unquote legitimate reason to say. Yeah, and it, it would be frustrating to, to go to a doctor and just have them look at you and say, oh, it's because you're fat. Right. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> well, and the, I, there could be other issues, too. Of like, course. Let's look into the other issues, too. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. not just write me off because I'm fat. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can see both sides, like... Doesn't yeah. feel good to be told that you're overweight and like you need to lose weight when you're probably always thinking about it and you're like, yeah, I, I know. Mm-hmm. Right. I On know. the other hand, you don't want a doctor that's a yes man when it's not no. like a good choice for you. So, I've, yeah, I feel like that's the other side of it. Like there's a way to give a patient compassionate care, but also give them a realistic um, expectation of how IVF may or may not go. Like, I could see doctors saying to a patient, like, look, there is a huge risk here, number one, and this is why I don't want to do this, and number two, your odds of success, here's what the statistics are. And, like, you can communicate that with a patient in a compassionate way where you don't come across, like, you're fat, that's why you're not getting pregnant. But, like, also, you could get pregnant, but it's going to be a lot harder. Your chances are a lot lower, that sort of thing. Like, if Your they just educated like, them on the facts in a nice way. <laughs> yeah, and then maybe uh, told them how to lose weight, like set them up, like as a part of their treatment. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to set you up with this dietitian so i would be curious what studies in um in like europe say where they have like for example i know um in great britain with the nationalized healthcare on the nhs they they actually have rules that they will not do ivf if your bmi is not under a certain number so I, I wonder if they, like, it's not even a question of quote unquote ethics or whether the doctor can or can't. It's just like almost like a pre-existing condition. If, if this applies to you, you can't mm -hmm. do fertility treatments. So I would be curious what they, um, you know, their reasoning behind that too. Cause I'm sure it's like, I'm sure it's a, like what you're talking about, the risk of surgery and the success rates. It's like, well, if we're gonna pay for it, if the government's gonna pay for it, then we're, we don't want to be quote unquote irresponsible with our treatment on individuals who there might be a risk or a really low success rate. I don't know. I'd be curious what they would say. Yeah, it'd be good to know. Hey, but speaking of being overweight, because yes. I feel like this is a, on the topic of PCOS, this is such a common misconception, misnomer. With a, P, with a potential PCOS diagnosis. Like, I feel like you, women who are overweight sometimes have doctors tell them, oh, you probably have PCOS, when sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do, sure. 
but sometimes they don't. And so just you cannot diagnose someone by looking at them and determining they're overweight, so they must have PCOS, which we're going to talk about in a minute, the diagnostic criteria. I feel like I could. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of women out there that have what's called lean PCOS. They're not overweight, and they still meet the, the criteria. So just I feel like that that's one we hear a lot where women, like, they go see their gynecologist, and they're overweight, and they're like, oh, you probably have PCOS. You're not getting pregnant. That's why. Or just in general. Just kind of like it's thrown out there. Okay, I have another question for you. I... Uh, the Instagram post I put up yesterday that ha- that said what it is, probably can't ovulate shit like it was like what does PCOS stand for to you that's what and then I asked people to comment if they'd been diagnosed or if they had a success story or etc and this one girl commented that a doctor told her she only had PCOS on one ovary <laughs> uh, like that's not a thing that's not how it works. Like That's you don't even have to have polycystic ovaries to have PCOS. Funny right. enough, it's not. It's not. Um, it's not individualized to the ovary. It's a hormonal imbalance. It's not like contained to your ovary. So I'm not sure. Maybe the doctor just said she had lots of cysts on one ovary, but that's not how you diagnose PCOS. <laughs> I mean, they look at it, but that's yeah, they look weird. at it. But it's not the only criteria. Uh, yeah. In today's celebrities are just like us. Leah Michelle from <laughs> Glee. Oh yes, uh, found out that she had PCOS, so she's Hey-o. just like us. I mean, like me <laughs> and other people with PCOS. She's like you and one in eight women diagnosed with infertility. Yeah. So yeah. Leah Michelle, just like us. Or one in six, rather. So she says just one found in ten out. in this oh. article. Oh, see, I it found changes. an article that says one in six. They're all different. It's pretty no one common. knows. No one knows. Yeah. She said the side effects can be brutal, like weight gain and bad skin. I mean, that would be brutal for an actress. Yeah, both of those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's brutal for anyone, but. Uh, she went on Accutane three times as a teenager. Wow. Oof. I did it twice. Yeah, ow. Uh, and aren't you still, like, having dry skin from it? No. Or no? <laughs> no. Oh, I thought you said you did. I'm making things up. No, Sorry. I had super dry skin when I was on it, but that's a side effect. I mean, that's, like, the point. Right. Yeah. It's drying up your oil production? I guess that's how it works. It was, it's insane. It makes, yeah, it just dries everything out. It's just like this enormous dose of vitamin A, I think. Oh, wow. But it like, you could go, I could go like weeks without washing my hair, which I know sounds disgusting, but it never got oily and it would fall out every time I would wash it because my scalp was so dry. I lost a lot Ooh. of hair. Yeah. And I had, you think I got hemorrhoids. with your, hmm? oh, yeah. as a teenager? Yeah. I still have one. That is a one lingering symptom of my Accutane. I have one that just like flares up every now and then. But it's not like it affects me all the time. If I have like regular poops, which we're about to talk about poop, aren't we? PCOS poops. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So Leah Michelle, she went off like birth control is what worked for her to help with her skin 
And so she was on that for a long time. She came off of it because she wanted to detox her body of all medications. And then that's when everything happened. And she got bad skin and weight gain from it. And she didn't know what was going on. Turns out she has PCOS. The birth control was just, you know, masking it for years and years and years. But she doesn't want to be on the pills. Yeah. Interesting. She wasn't trying to get pregnant. But no, and she said through diet, she's been able to manage it. So here's the diet. You can't eat anything. Air. <laughs> that's the only thing. Wow. I feel like that's like everything's bad. With diets, you know? like I know. Which is a psychologically hard uh, messaging. Like it should be, look at all these things you can eat. That's a much more positive way to look at a a diet, a lifestyle diet, instead of like you I feel can't. like I have a bad yeah I feel like I have a bad relationship with food and then I just give up and then I eat everything bad. Well, yeah, and you can't you honestly can't make I believe you can't make like long term sustainable lifestyle choices when you're just trying to like white knuckle your way you're like you're trying to just use willpower to avoid something you need you need a better reason than that like you really have to completely shift your mentality about your diet for you to actually I think make like a lasting I mean you can do it for a while like yeah but like so you could do it for a quote-unquote diet for three months or six months or even a year but it's hard to make that like a long-term sustainable lifestyle choice if your thought process around it is I can't have blank instead of I want to choose this because I feel like everything's bad so I just give up and I'm like okay I'll just eat what I'm craving (laughs) sugar spoken like a true American (laughs) yeah I mean yeah I don't know I think I need to fix my view of food. (laughs) A feud. A feud. I've got another podcast for you. We can talk about it then. All right. I need to like, I think a lot of us do probably. Oh, of course. Because this has to do with um, why I gave up alcohol for a while. Are you off the juice? I'm off the juice for a while. Well, yeah, we can talk about it, but um, okay. I want to know now. (laughs) I guess we can talk about it in out of the box. But anyway, so she's managing it through diet. I'm glad she found out now. I mean, I feel like that happens to a lot of women that they've been on birth control for years and they try to get pregnant. Then they discover they have PCOS. So, okay. Like we said, I think we said this at the top. I know it's October, but September we weren't recording and it was PCOS Awareness Month. So we still wanted to get an episode in about PCOS, um, which is stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it's the number one infertility diagnosis for women. Um, like I said, one in six is a statistic I found, but you kind of see lots of different, uh, nobody really knows, but it's fairly no. common among women who are seeking fertility treatments. Um, like I just said, lots of women have it for years, but they're not diagnosed until they begin trying to conceive and they have trouble. So they're 
exhibiting symptoms and they just don't know that they're linked to that or they're on birth control and it's masking them, that sort of thing. Um, we've I mean, talked who about has Wanda visits if you're not trying to get pregnant. Right. Like there's no re- that. Sorry. Uh, internal ultrasounds. Yeah. I mean, who wants to go see Wanda? I mean, unless you're into that. We've talked about this before a lot. We have um, earlier episodes that we dedicated fully to PCOS. Um, One's called My String of Pearls, and the other one, Superheroes Have PCOS. So we won't, like, go into a ton of details about it right now, but it's a hormonal imbalance. It often means there's too much androgen or testosterone hormone, and that causes irregular ovulation and can, can contribute to poor egg quality. Dr. Crawford, Natalie Crawford, um, she's an RE. You can find her on Instagram. And she has a podcast called As a Woman. And it's a great podcast. And she has an excellent episode explaining PCOS. I think it's just called PCOS. It's one of her earlier episodes. But it does a fantastic job of, like, succinctly explaining what PCOS is, like, down to the cellular level, which I found, like, really interesting and fascinating. So if you want to deep dive into PCOS, go check out, go check out that podcast. So there's three criteria. Sarah, do you want to tell us what, what they are? To, to, to have an official oh, diagnosis, uh, yeah. you have to have two out of three of these criteria. Okay. Irregular ovulation, polycystic ovaries, and high levels of testosterone. And high levels of androgens, which is testosterone. I got all three. (laughs) So um, you might have excess hair growth on different parts of your body, like (laughs) your face, probably your stomach. I don't know. Other places overweight acne and then there's people with lean pcos who don't have the overweight symptom of it and yeah did you have any of those symptoms before you were diagnosed Mm, no no yeah (laughs) not really but that just goes to show you like you may not especially not as a teenager i was like under 100 pounds but i did have like horrible periods yeah as a teen but they were always irregular i don't know if i really kept track i didn't keep track as a teenager i mean who does like you're you're trying so hard to avoid your period as a teenager i feel like you're happy if it's not showing up yeah and there's then no you're not gonna talk about it no and at least in my family we were not discussing in depth about like our cycles and what's normal no. and what like th- w- there was like a talk in fourth grade one time one day where they separated the boys and the girls and we talked about periods and that was pretty much my education on female anatomy and health <laughs> i had yeah. no idea what was normal no and i didn't start my period for it. like five more years so I was pretty late. Well, not five. I think I was 14. Yeah, I was 14 when I started my period. Really? This was a late I thought I was late. Were you? I was 13. Oh. I do remember. You were a late bloomer. Yeah. And I remember feeling like something was wrong with me. Yeah. By the time you hit high school and you haven't had your period yet, you're like, yeah. You think something's. You're just like, I want it to come. And then it comes. You're like, this sucks. Yeah. It's so true. Why did I want this? Yeah. 
Anyway. Anyway, talk to me about poop. (laughs) People with PCOS may have different poop. So there's this article from Gut Microbiota for Health. Got it. (laughs) We'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. um, The headline is the Gut Microbiota. Am I saying that wrong? I don't know. Microbiota may be involved in ovarian dysfunction and insulin resistance in polycystic ovarian. Wow. In polycystic ovary syndrome, PCOS. (laughs) Um, Emerging evidence shows the involvement of our gut microbiome in conditions apparently related to the gut ecosystem. I think it's just basically saying that people with PCOS have a different gut microbiome than people without it. There's an ecosystem in my gut? Yeah. (laughs) So do they give practical um, descriptions of what your poop might look like? Oh, and they they did this with mice, humanized mice. Mm. Oh, and they received a fecal transplant from women with PCOS. Wait, what? Okay, so they had these humanized mice, and these mice received what? Humanized mice? What does that mean? Yeah, I don't know what a humanized mouse is. What does that mean? Is I, like, I assume that it's like the mice on Cinderella. They can talk. <laughs> it's a general term that refers to a mouse that has a few human cells, a short strand of human DNA, human tissues, a human tumor, a humanized immune system, or parts of the human microbiome. So they implant human, human stuff, stuff into, mice. into the mice. Yeah. Poor mice. I know. And so they took fecal matter from women with PCOS and probably put it in the mouse's butt. Aww. And then the mouse developed PCOS. Oh, no. Oh, no. Poor little mouse. Now the mouse has acne and he's growing even more fur on his tail. The mouse developed. The mouse developed ovarian dysfunction. Oh. The mouse is Poor mice. gaining weight. It's like Gus Gus and his shirt won't fit anymore. Yeah. So there's a lot of big words in this article. <laughs> Maybe someone who understands this stuff could explain it more to us. I bet you know who I bet would probably know? Melissa. <laughs> oh, Melissa, yeah. The consigliere this week. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Melissa, there's a lot of big words in this. Melissa, Um, will you read this article and get back to us? (laughs) And then tell us how to uh, fix this this problem? Because we want to have good poop. What's the poop they say it should be like medium brown and (laughs) S-shaped? Oh, or like, like a snake. And it should float? Oh, I don't think floating is good. Oh, it's not? I think floating is not great. I can't remember. There's like a, I remember an Oprah show like when I was in high school where it was like all about poop and like analyzing your poop. Poop's another thing we never talk about as a society and we should because how do you know if your poop is normal? (laughs) I've heard in Germany that there's like poop shelves. Poop poop on the shelf. Uh, Poop shelves. What's a poop shelf? 
It's like, I guess it's like a clear shelf or something and you poop on it or put your poop on it and um, you examine your poop. Just at home, you buy a poop shelf and you just poop on it and dig around in your own poop? Um, it's the poop shelf toilet. It's like an examination plate in the toilet. Okay, so imagine your toilet. Yeah. Imagine, okay, so it has the hole, mm-hmm. usually, but the rest of the toilet is elevated without water on it. Okay. And then there's the hole. Mm-hmm. So you poop on the shelf uh-huh. without the water on it. And sure. it just sits there without going under. And then I guess you look at it <laughs> to see how your poop's doing. See how your poop's doing, which is, a, I guess, a healthy thing to do. Examine it. Make sure everything's on the up and up. Somebody yeah, out there had to turn ugh. this off because they can't handle poop talk. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, they're already gone. So. Yeah. Okay. So up next, we'll have Call the Consigliere. Did I say it right? Call the Consigliere. Yeah. yeah. And it'll be Melissa Groves, who's a registered dietitian nutritionist. And she's going to give you guys some uh, general nutrition tips for PCOS. This is Melissa from Avocado Grove Nutrition. Thank you so much for having me on again. I am so happy to answer some questions for ladies with PCOS. Um, The first question that you sent me was, what foods should women with PCOS avoid? Um, I take a non-restrictive approach with PCOS, so there's literally no food that you need to eliminate entirely. you know, obviously, and this goes for people without PCOS too, we should be minimizing the number of processed carbohydrates, added sugars, trans fats, you know, those inflammatory cooking oils. Um, but there's nothing that, that you need to completely eliminate. My philosophy is that PCOS is a you know, lifetime diagnosis. So any dietary changes that you make, you have to be able to sustain for a lifetime. Okay, the next question was, are there any foods that may help regulate hormones? Uh, The answer is yes, there are. Um, The problem is not knowing which hormones need regulating. Um, The most common ones that I see with PCOS are high testosterone. Um, So for high testosterone, things like green tea, nettles, flax seeds, spearmint tea can help lower testosterone levels. Um, You know, and then it kind of depends whether your estrogen's high or low, whether your DHEA is high or low. Um, But in general, eating a blood sugar balancing diet that is anti-inflammatory. So it's balanced in protein, fiber, fat, and it's filled with lots of fruits and vegetables and fatty fish and, you know, anti-inflammatory fats is going to help. Okay, the next question is, what are some possible root causes of PCOS? There are a few. Um, I am a functional medicine dietitian, which means that I 
try to treat the condition from the root causes. I try to identify what those are for each person um, and then customize a food and supplement and lifestyle plan based on their personal root causes. Um, You know, insulin resistance is one common thread. Uh, The majority of women with PCOS to have at least some degree of insulin resistance. Um, Another one is inflammation. Again, it's about, you know, maybe 50-50. I see women with high levels of inflammation. Um, You know, some gut dysbiosis, which means the bacteria in your gut are the wrong type or they're doing the wrong thing. There's a lot of studies showing that the bacteria in the guts of women with PCOS is actually different from that in women without PCOS. Um, I look for adrenal imbalances. Some women have really high cortisol and DHEA. Um, Some women have low cortisol, which puts them at a higher risk for developing autoimmune conditions in addition to the PCOS. So those are the main things that I look at, you know, in addition to lifestyle, like are you getting enough sleep? Are you working a job that you hate? Um, All of that sort of stuff. Thanks, Melissa, for that tip. I'm Just, sure it will be helpful. Thank you. To people. And out of the box. Out, out of the, the box. box. Oh, wait. Out, out of the box. box. <laughs> okay, so you gave up alcohol? Well, not entirely, but I took a long break. Go on. Um. Well... Similar to what you were just saying, how you were like, I think I have a bad relationship with food. I think I was treating alcohol a similar way, where I was just noticing I was, I just wanted to have a better, like, healthier relationship with it. Because I was noticing that I was like, I don't think alcohol should be used for, Like if you're telling yourself you're drinking it for something like, oh, I just need to take the edge off of this situation or, um, and okay, you can see where I'm going with how this relates or applies to people in the infertility community or like I'm really depressed and a drink will help me or I'm, I don't know, fill in the blank. Like I want to feel more confident or I want to whatever you know like I don't think you should be telling yourself those types of things and using anything as a crutch I well I mean I love wine we all know that and I'm not like saying you shouldn't drink (laughs) wine or that I'm quitting altogether but like you can fill in the blank with anything that you want to like take a break from or like any kind of like habit that you're not happy with in your life, whether it's food, eat the you're eating, the way you eat, or like the way you spend money, or maybe your lack of exercise, or just anything that you know has like become a habit that you don't like and that you wish were different. And it's all about the psychology of what we tell ourselves and like how we talk to ourselves and the power of our thinking. Like you think a thought in your head, like I feel really stressed, and then that makes you feel a certain way in your body like we all know how stress feels to us and then that feeling makes you act a certain way so whether that's like I want to eat a box of cookies or I want to have another glass of wine or whatever it is then it causes this action to happen so I think that's been like a good healthy thing for me to do 
my break is over now, so I'm back on the wagon. Oh. <laughs> You're back on the booze. Back on the booze. But it was more just like, I, well, I just What did don't, you figure out from the break? I think it just helped me understand my thought process of, and it's not just with alcohol. It's like, why, why I'm acting a certain way if it's something I don't like that I did? Because we all do that. Like, we all do things... And then we're like, why did I do that? Or, you know, and then you think back like, well, I did that because I was feeling X way. And then if you think back further, like, what was I telling myself that made me feel that way? I just found it, or I've been finding it. If there, I thought it was worth mentioning because I know that, at least when I was going through infertility, I know this is the experience of so many people. There's a lot of negative emotions, right? There's depression, there's sadness, there's sometimes grief, there's all these like a lot of heavy, hard emotions. And sometimes that can cause us to act in ways that are not the most healthy for us because we think it's gonna give us an immediate, re- well, often things do give you an immediate relief from that whatever that bad feeling is that you have. Um, but long-term, it's not, it's not doing much to help you. So it's like, I know we joke all the time about ha- drink, having a glass of wine and drink, and I'm still, I'm still advocating for that. Like, I still think it has its place. I just want people to be like, um, self-aware and make sure you're not like um, using something whether it's alcohol or food or um, spending or anything to try to mask the bad feeling that you have because that's not going to make it go away it might give you temporary relief but it's not really gonna but then you'll just feel empty well <laughs> no After. there are other ways to address <laughs> negative feelings <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, doing the bad thing. You'll oh, feel yeah, empty yeah, yeah. Afterwards, right? It. Uh, I mean, yeah. It gives you temporary relief. You might feel better in that moment. And I guess yeah. I should say this too. Like, it doesn't mean you can't use that occasionally. You just don't want it to get out of hand. Like, you really yeah. do want to work through some of these like bigger issues of grief and depression and loss and anxiety and you know these are like things that often like you have to really do some self-examination and exploration and sometimes you need the help of a counselor sometimes you I mean I've been in therapy most of my adult life so everybody knows I'm a big advocate so I don't know just PSA to like pay attention to ways that you're coping and make sure that they're okay that's a good good PSA yeah and on the topic of PCOS Unfortunately, alcohol is not your friend. <laughs> so much sugar. Why is? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so beer has drink, all those carbohydrates, oof. too. So Yeah. Beer's like liquid bread. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd rather eat bread, but, you know, that's me. I would rather have a pretzel person. with my beer. <laughs> Ooh, with so good. beer cheese. Yes. Oh, man, now I'm yeah. hungry. That sounds so good. That is like the worst thing for someone with PCOS. A beer with pretzel and cheese. (laughs) So uh, give us a rating, a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Now it's called. 
Join our closed oh, Facebook groups. Yeah. The Infertile Mafia, the Infertile Mafia Bosses and Babies. Um, follow us on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. Uh, our website, which is where you can get the exclusive merch that Sarah has created, um, infertilemafia.com. You can also email us at infertilemafia at gmail.com. And I think that's everything, right? Yeah, I think that's everything. All right, guys. Thank you for joining the, the Infertile Mafia. Mafia. Yeah, uh, bye. Bye. Woke up feeling like I just might run for president. Even if there ain't no precedent. Cleaned it up the messaging. I'm about to add a little estrogen. Mm. Buy my whip mm. by myself. Mm. Pay my rent. <laughs> Only exes that I care about are in my fucking chromosome. I don't really need you. I'm a collie coke and home alone. Home alone. Bam, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well done. Thank you. <laughs>